This podcast is all about talking about the questions that we all have in relation to Christian life in the world. Have to um, put a camel through a needle or something. Mm -hmm. Then we have to, you know, face like, persecution. Like wear a mask. What <laughs> so, uh, a hot take. Hot take. <laughs> I'm a normal dude. George is a Presbyterian pastor. Right. This is not for homeschool Johnny. All right, cool kids. How are we doing? How are we feeling? How are we living? Always good. Always cool. Extending, Always dope. Extending you uh, a warm welcome to Cool Kids Bible Study. Uh, Cole Tashian speaking and good buddy, Pastor George Erlinson. Uh, George, I just want to start off this episode with a disclaimer that I'm not literally suicidal, um, nor nor are you, <laughs> nor no. is so. Th this is an episode. Nor, nor am I pro suicide. We have nor are we pro suicide. <laughs> uh, this is an episode about metaphorical uh, death and rebirth spiritually, hmm. uh, and the process that and the initiation of the self within that process. So uh, we, we clickbaited you because we think we're cute. Uh, but that, that is the topic at hand today. And um, I was really excited to get into it. You were. You were excited. Yeah. And then it, I, it's, it was sparring day at my Muay Thai gym. And instead of being like, I'll just hit the bag, I was like, I'm game. And then <laughs> I got lit up. Um, so I'm a little bit like post-sparring drunk right now mm. but i'm gonna try to like be as profound as possible <laughs> one of the questions i had my mailbag today for my church and one of the questions i answered was a question on whether or not christians can compete in ufc or combat sports because we're supposed to turn the other cheek really and so yeah and so i i answered that but it, it, but yeah yeah good muay thai great not not as noble as the art of kendo or something like that but you know. karate <laughs> yes, yes. No, actually, our, our coach Doodle. gave this amazing speech the other day that was like directly out of a out of a Cobra Kai episode or something, where he's uh, like, "Muay Thai is the art of eight limbs. When you enter this room, you will kick, you will punch, you will elbow, you will knee. And you will wow. do those. You, you will exercise these eight limbs at every session." <laughs> you're like oh my god oh and and yeah he threw in clinch as well so not a limb mm. technically but there is also clinch um yeah you will sweep what's, wait, what's a what's a clinch clinch is when you grab the person oh and it okay. you know you'll see this like a standing clinch in in mma in muay thai right. you don't have grappling but you can sweep from the clinch so okay. you can like sort of like either throw them to the ground from a standing position um or sweep their leg like let's say you catch a kick you sweep the other leg and and that's you know that in the point scoring system goes to your advantage if you're able to down an opponent because the assumption in muay thai is if you down someone you're you're probably going to be able to inflict a lot of damage on them with strikes so that's gotcha. why it's like you down them and then you separate and get back it up kind of like in boxing when you score a uh, a knockdown Gotcha. Yeah. I think everyone realizes now that they can take me in the fight because I don't understand any of it. <laughs> so that's it, pretty obvious. It does come up in, well, hey, you know what? We're getting so ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. Why, why don't we get some banter in? Keep it, yeah, let's, let's keep it light though. Keep it light. <clears throat> and now for a spot of light banter. Just a spot. 
just a just a touch, just a, just a smidge of right. light banter. Uh, what's on your mind? I've I've talked enough. Uh, what is on my mind? I don't know. I've been rewatching Game of Thrones recently. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so that's that's super relevant because that show ended a million years ago. Uh, but I remembered, <laughs> I remembered uh, the Christian conversation that was happening when Game of Thrones came out, which is whether or not it's appropriate to watch Game of Thrones. And uh, like, I, I know that they're general, coming out with a new one. What? Like generally, or like? Yeah, generally, because of the nudity, sexual content, mm. violence, that type of stuff. And of course, you know, it's a cultural phenomenon. Uh, I've read the book, the first one um and stuff like that and so i'm going back and revisiting it you actually showed me game of thrones do you remember that or no did i yeah so you you introduced me to three things so it was like after senior year and it was that summer between like college and and high school right and you uh you like came over to my house and we watched the all right spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched game of thrones we watched the episode where ned stark gets killed oh yeah 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 that one and then we also watched um, <laughs> a few episodes of Community, which I had never seen before. And that Ooh, show is just awesome. Such a great show, yeah. And uh, then we watched the 1990-whatever Judge Dredd. <laughs> where he's like, the law! Yes. That one. Yes. Yeah. You don't understand the meaning of the law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, and so that's that's what I, I remember you uh, you did you were like telling me all about the motorcycles they were riding. Or oh yeah, because they're modified the gold wings. Or, yeah. yeah, no, they're modified uh, six cylinder gold wings. Yeah, gold, gold yeah. wings rather. Honda uh, cruiser bike. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's so, a great movie. So yeah, that the game. So Game of Thrones, see, you introduced, and I, I like it. Um, you know, later seasons are bad or whatever, but it yeah. just reminded me of uh, the Christian conversations about how to engage with culture, which and what we'll you, probably have at some point. What do you think? I mean, look, like the parts of that show were softcore porn. Sure. Uh, so like that's fair. Yeah, that's that's like not <laughs> ideal to watch as a right. Christian, but like I don't. And, and I mean, you know, what, what's what's your take on? Obviously, you watch it. So you don't right. believe in like a whole. Yeah, I watch at least the first four seasons because it kind of sucks after that. But uh, yeah, but yeah, um, but yeah. So what's my take? Well, my general take is um, is the First Corinthians food sacrifice for idols thing. So if it's something that you can handle without falling into sin, then I think it's fine. Yes. Um, yeah. And if if but if that's a struggle for you, like if you've struggled with pornography or something like that, buyer beware. Yeah, uh, I think that's a very. I mean, these sins of lust like occur in the mind, as Christ teaches during the the Sermon on the Mount, which at first sounds scary, right. but once you dissect it more, you're like, oh no, it means like if you're watching the show and you know uh, what's her name, Daenerys is getting right. like monkey fucked by well, what's his name, <laughs> Cal Drogo, Drogo. and yeah. and you're like, and you watch that and you're like, eh, I want a monkey monkey fuck Daenerys, like that's bad, right? right? <laughs> but yeah. but if you <laughs> But if you watch that and you're like, oh, he's really going, he's really going after this poor girl, <laughs> uh, then yeah. she's going to need ibuprofen. And you're, you know, that then that's probably not as as big as big a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that scene in particular is more comedic than anything else to me now. <laughs> the memes. Um, Do you remember uh, the pod yeah, racing? All the memes that all <laughs> the memes that people made, like the pod racing meme and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's too much. But yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I studied, like, you know, I, I studied film when I first went into school, so I've seen so much stuff that I consider, like, worse than Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. 
my teacher had us watch Andy Warhol films, oh. um, and he's most famous for his pop art or whatever, but he basically just made porn yeah, uh, yeah. in the 60s and uh, stuff like that. So I, I've seen, like, worse stuff than Game of Thrones, so to me it's, it's you know, it's just, it's like, whatever, it's HBO yeah you know, skip skip and or just don't pay attention or don't care exactly and know. it's about you my eyes glaze over it's about how, how you you're handling it and how it's affecting you personally you have to be sensitive to that um yeah. i had a rick the dick encounter yes yeah tell us about that okay so i want to first start off by saying like i i almost don't like that he's known on this show as rick the dick i feel a little guilty <laughs> about it but sure uh we'll I, richard it's going on a walk with my mom and uh, we spot him, and my mom was really cold. She's like bundled up, right? right. And uh, I wasn't because I don't get cold easily. Whatever. Uh, so this guy, waves, he goes yo ho or whatever, like some really goofy like greeting. He's like ho. And I didn't really know who he was, but I knew he was one of the neighbors. So I just waved. I was like, hey, how's it going? And then my mom, under her breath, was like, hey. And this apparently rubbed him the wrong way, that my mom was not enthusiastic enough in her greeting. In her greeting. And so instead of, like, replying to me, he just goes after her and is like, Oh, oh yeah, Diane? Yeah, Diane? You can't even greet me? Oh, I see. We're just <laughs> not even greeting each other anymore, huh? Can't even say hello? Uh-huh. Uh, is, is that what's up? Is that what's up? And I'm like, whoa, this is getting heated. And uh, <laughs> the dude um, starts, like, raising his, uh, raising his tone and, like, puffing his chest out. And I'm like, bro, this is... I was actually kind of starting to laugh because I'm like, dude, like a, a, a fat, a fat middle aged man is trying to like stunt on me or something. <laughs> right, I'm like, dude. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm like, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. So my mom, you know, kind of gets heated back with him because, like, dude, if if a guy is threatening towards a woman outside the their home, like, you know, like they're, when you're on a walk in public, like you're you go into like fight or flight, right? You're like, I mean, she's like a a petite woman, so this right. is affecting her. It's just like, whoa, this is like big dude is like stunting on me, whatever. Um, and she's like, yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. Like I said hello, blah, blah, blah. and he's like, you got a problem with me? And then she she goes into like, well, you know, you've done all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. and then he's just yeah. denying it, and yeah. and then he starts screaming, yeah, you know what? Keep walking, keep walking, and I. I was I've been trying to interject peacefully this whole time and, and I just go, uh, look, man, I mean we're on a walk. So we're gonna we're definitely gonna keep walking. Like I like I don't know what this what is this that we're doing? I kinda had this tone of like, what is this that we're doing, man? And and, and then I, I walked up to him and I was like, Look, I'm sorry we got off on the wrong foot, but um uh I hope you have a great day and you know, I hope that like we can like resolve all this all this all this nonsense. And then we'll be How like How did he respond? He was like, "Yeah, you have a good one too, man." Like, but still heated, right? So he right. Was like, right, trying to like, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good day to you too, bro. <laughs> right. And I'm like, right. <laughs> I, I was like, oh man, this is. I just felt like really. Uh, I was like almost at the verge of cracking up, and the whole time, and I just felt like, oh, this is so awkward. Uh, for obvious reasons, you know, but I was like, oh man, like what a shame that this is mm. what it's, what it's come down to. Um, but he kind of ended up making a little bit of an ass out of himself. And, and then I found out that he had another fight with one of our neighbors before that. And he was taking that energy into the, the second encounter. And I'm like, oh man, like this is just what a mess. 
Right. And I don't know, but I prayed for him and the rest of our neighbors, and I prayed for everyone involved in all these conflicts that, like, can we just soften their hearts and, like, get them to reconcile? And then I heard coming home today that from one of our neighbors, she's like, oh, yeah, Rick feels, like, really bad. I was like, oh, man, I don't want Rick to feel bad. Like, he was like, oh, I should apologize, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And... Well, maybe he should apologize. <laughs> he sh- probably should, but I mean, I'm afraid that you know. I just hope the apology you know, will be taken well. But right, that's that's the thing. Is like yeah, you know, yeah. Bridge building is that. is so hard. But I mean, I, I my plan is if I run into him because I take walks alone. Like if I run into him on a walk alone, um, you know, I'm gonna try to like hear him out. Maybe like offer to grab a beer with him after work or something. We'll see what happens. But I will, I will henceforth stop referring to him as Rick the Dick. Well, that's nice. From this point forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like like baking myself up like some fucking hero as I trash this guy on my fucking <laughs> podcast, you know? Like, as if I'm morally You're gonna just. You're going to see all five people will know who you are. We're going to get Rick on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> hey, first of all, we have 36. 36 unique listeners so oh nice yeah five people listen to this 36 people listen to this you ass awesome how dare you minimize our efforts now um, if you yeah. all donated 200 dollars a month colon <laughs> 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 yeah. you would earn crowns in heaven i can cole and i could live on you know live on that alone. yeah i could be out of my out of my debt i accrued from my failed startup career in as little as 40 years uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, let's call that light banter. And, hey, I got a surprise for y'all today because we're not doing – it's not George's deep, deep dive. No, 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 no. I'm taking, you, I'm taking you to the deeps today, partners. So here lot? we go. Cole's Deep Dive. It's so, well, it's not as deep as George's deep dive, but I think you'll find what it lacks in academic profundity. It more than makes up for in charm. <laughs> no one is a bigger fan of me than me. <laughs> hey that's that's good they told us in seminary that the person who should enjoy your sermon the most is yourself so yeah there you go yeah um oh man i forgot to send you this but my boy logan shout out pastor logan keck gave a fire sermon last weekend about uh a lot of the subjects that we are excited to cover on this podcast basically about like depoliticizing religion taking all the the separating all the church culture from the teachings like getting the clickiness the gossipy nature of a lot of churches out and just like drilling down on like our job is we point to jesus and we follow jesus did you say his last name is keck i know dude (laughs) (laughs) sorry i I was gonna make a kekistan joke but i felt like it might be he is a young guy but it might be a little bit out of his his demo to make a kekistan joke Gotcha, like yeah, I don't think probably, he's on yeah. slash B, right? But yeah, no. <laughs> we just lost the entire. We just lost thirty four people. <laughs> there goes our our listeners. Yeah. All we have is is uh, your pastor and and Thomas Wong left. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I just I, I should send you that because I mean it's just so cool to hear messages like that in in church. And so shout out Pastor Logan Keck. He's an awesome dude. And he's, he's setting up a really exciting uh, evangelical church plant that I'm going to be a big part of. Might cool. even make deacon. Who knows? I mean. Wow. But. It's like, a, it's like a, you know, a, what do they call those things? Not a, what, the things at the yearbook or whatever where you're voted most whatever. I can't remember. It's like that. 
That's what it's like for you, Cole. Yeah, Cole Tosjohn, most likely to be offensive while talking about Christ. Superlatives. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good. <laughs> so, All right, so, so what's our deep dive today? Okay. So this deep dive is about spiritual rebirth and mm. uh, the idea of being born again, which I think is like often maligned, and I understand why yeah. in America. But um, this is kind of a, a bit about my personal journey and about what it means to come to God and what that process is like. Mm. So I liken it to, and this isn't my reference, many people have made this reference. Uh, Jordan Peterson talks about this, but I've, I've kind of like made it my own. You, you walk around in the world, right? And you know that there's dead wood you're carrying. You know, you know that there are pieces of you that you don't like and that hinder you significantly and you're dragging around this dead wood right here's the problem though you don't always know what part is dead wood you don't know which parts are and you don't know how much of you is right so you have all of these like unknown variables floating around as you're trying to get through your day, get through your week, get through your year, making enough money to survive and, you know, uh, trying to get along with the people around you. Um, and it's really shitty, mm. you know? And, uh, and, and I think most people carry this dead wood around their entire lives and we all have it. Right. But I mean, as soon as like I started off this process, it, it became less and less scary, right? Because what you're doing when you come to God is you're lighting a match, hmm. you know, and you will start to parts of you will start to just burn away, and it hurts like a motherfucker. It's horrible, you know, um, because you feel yourself changing, and you're not really sure how. Like when I first came to to start like getting interested in Christianity. And exploring it because I was an atheist for like my entire life. Um, I, I thought like, what if I come out on the other end of this and I'm like all these church people, mm. like just some effete, sterile, boring, uh, evangelical born again Christian. Was that was that the it, like when we when just to clarify is that the like your stereotypical image or yes. were there people gotcha okay. but there were people who matched that image really well in my sure. th that i i had encountered so yeah i mean obviously like this turns out to not be the case about christians in general but that was my mm -hmm. fear i was like wait how, what if i lose me sure because like you're all you've got right i mean what if i go through this process and god just turns me into something i do not recognize and so it's a sort of like hollow victory in a way because I haven't actually survived the process. Mm. You know, that's the big fear that I had. Um, because I, you know, again, we all carry dead wood, but we all like and love aspects of who we are as well. I mean, I should hope mm -hmm. everyone's got beauty and, and uh, love beaming through them. I mean, if you don't think that about someone, you just haven't gotten to know them well enough. But. Right. I was really, 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 really scared. Right. Yeah, so uh, what does this have to do with, with suicide, though? Okay, so here's what it has to do, because you have to be the one to light the match. Gotcha. Right, so God will meet you 99% of the way, but he will not force himself on you. 
Mm. So at a certain point, you have to have that like surrender to, to God moment where you're like, all right, man, let's go. And then it starts, right? Gotcha. So so that's the, the that's why it is like killing yourself. It felt a lot like blowing my brains out. Um, which I know is like really what an d- image. Dramatic. What a what a what an image. <laughs> it, it, it did. It really felt like killing myself. Um, and sort of like consenting to be fundamentally altered. Mm-hmm. So it it does really really when people say born again christian right and a lot of born again christians really annoying but when people say born again christian that is why that is why it's because it does feel like you die and then you are reborn yeah do you do you mind if i uh just define what that is for people real quick yeah let's get scriptural yeah so uh because i've interacted with people who think that like born again christian is someone who is like it's a denomination Oh, a lot Almost. of people think that, yeah. Yeah, but it's but if, if if that is what you think, that's that's not what it is. It's it's actually a talk about a spiritual experience that someone has, right? Um, and this comes from uh, the Gospel of John, and it's John chapter three where Jesus is uh, talking with one of the Jewish leaders, a guy named Nicodemus, and um, Nicodemus comes to him with a question, and he's he's talking with him, um, and uh, he he's. He's like, who are you? You know, how are you able to do these signs? And Jesus responds and he says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And then they have like a little dialogue where Nicodemus doesn't really understand what Jesus is talking about. You know, you know, how can you be born again when you're already born? Do you, you know, come out of your mother's womb a second time? And Jesus is like, no, right? This is a birth of the spirit, not a birth of the flesh, right? So it's this idea that you are born again, um, and of course, in Christianity, you have this idea of, and I think this is kind of what you're going at, you know, in order to be born again, some part of you has to die, yeah. right? Um, and and that's that's what it, it uh, that's where you're pulling that out of. But, it, but for people at home who, you know, either interact with this or hear about it um, and you don't know what that is, it's, it's, it's Christians talking about a spiritual experience. And most Christians... Uh, have an idea of when they were born again in some way um they might not call it that they might you know call it something else uh i wouldn't have called it that for a very long time um but it doesn't feel that way for everyone right yeah and that's yeah 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 Yeah. i mean a lot of us a lot of it is is kind of stereotyped as like a a saul of tarsus moment um which is where your eyes are just opened right immediately but for some people it's a it's a slower process and it might take some time for you to and some reflection for you to actually see that that happening in your life and stuff like that. But but yeah, so it's just a it's just a spiritual realization kind of 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 who God is and uh, what He has done for you, and that's kind of being born again, being born of the Spirit. I love that you can take my words and make them succinct. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I love many many things about you. You're one of my favorite people on the planet. But oh, thank you. That is definitely an impressive one. You just landed like a triple axle as wow. far as i'm concerned wow what a what a, what an olympic reference olympics are going on right now olympics. good job olympics <laughs> yeah see christians are hip we know we know about <laughs> we talk about stuff that all the kids are interested in like the olympics yeah oh god yeah i guess i guess kids uh kids aren't really uh into the olympics well kids these days you know what i think about the kids these days a bunch of spoiled kids whose only understanding of life comes from watching music videos (laughs) 
<laughs> That's what we're dealing with, unfortunately. Disgusting. Yeah. Ugh. Um, so yeah, no, no, that that was a great that was a great breakdown. I mean, and I think that the surprising thing is that you come out the other side of you still you. I didn't lose right. a single part of who I am that I miss. Mm. It's which is crazy. Which yeah. is crazy. Like I, I, I think because you know, um, like it's like God uses a scalpel. You know, it, it, God's very precise in in and in, in in how the Holy Spirit changes people. I think, um, and so I, I lost a lot of aspects of myself that I that I hated. Um, like I became, you know, like, and it's this is still ongoing, right? Like I think, you know, this right. is gonna happen. This happened many times. I mean, when I first uh, started exploring Christianity, I felt like it started when I like had the that my like ultimate conversion experience, which is where like God gave me in an instant the the strength and 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 power to forgive and love my father again, uh, right. who I I had I, who was still not a part of my life, who I had a very like strained relationship with um my entire life uh, that was that was the moment that that was a true moment of of like okay i felt god's presence uh, right undoubtedly and that was when i, I literally like, i fell to the ground in tears like a fucking pussy <laughs> and uh, yeah, strong men also cry uh, I fell to the ground in tears, just sobbing uncontrollably, like anime mm. level sobbing, and <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> yeah, it was. It yeah. was. It was. If I mean, thank God that wasn't recorded, or you know, any woman who could have seen that would just write me off as uh, just mm. disgusting forever. But I <laughs> uh, just just sobbing uncontrollably on the floor of my apartment. Because I had just experienced, like, God's hand. Right. And um, that was the big one. Okay. And then after that, I literally, I was just like, all right. Like, I cleaned myself up. I was like, all right, I'm with you now. Sure. You know, like, all right, all right. I'm throwing it with you now. All right, let's let's go. Let's go. And then, um, but it continued after that. I mean, you know, after that, I had to make the really rough decision of, like, wait, I kind of have built a secular life for myself. Sure. And I mean, I was engaged and I was in like a very secular relationship and that couldn't continue. And that that hurt a lot for a while and like was really rough. Mm -hmm. Um, So so there was a lot more like burning that happened after that. Right. So there was like a big jolt and then a then a slow burn. Um, But again, like that was a big light like light bulb moment for me where i was like oh you don't just die once mm. so so when christ is talking about being born again of the spirit that's something that happens once i think yeah right i think for me that moment was the moment right but as a christian i think you should be in the continual mentality of trying to kill off bad parts of yourself with, with the help of God right. and growing back growing back good parts to replace those. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I feel yeah, like, I mean, you know, this, this oh, happens to me a lot. You yeah. Know, and will continue. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that uh, that a good image, actually, you, I don't know if you're doing this on purpose. It would be pretty cool if you were. But that, that image of burning is actually very biblical when it talks about God, like, changing us. Because one of the images or things that God talks about when he's uh, either testing or building someone up, and this is both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is, is refining. Like, a lot of it is always is related to refining, like gold or silver is refined. Yeah. So in 1 Peter 1.7, it says, So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so what Peter is just saying there, right, is, is you see that idea of, like, you're being refined right your faith is being refined and the the reason you burn gold right the reason that you melt it is to get rid of impurities but keep what is precious yeah right and that's like i think that's a really astute way of talking about it is that burning away or you know of course we talk about putting putting death to the self and stuff like that but it's this idea of like putting uh getting rid of those bad things refining them out and then um having having the good left so. Yeah, and you start to get addicted to it. You're like, "Whoa, I can just keep doing this. I can just keep <laughs> like I can just keep growing closer to God and right. becoming a like slowly like somewhat of a better person, right? Because I'm still a like a mess in a lot of ways. Sure, uh, it's not like I'm some completed work. Yeah, right? me too. And, and yeah, I mean, it's you. I mean, yeah. Don't uh, even get me started. The wardrobe alone, I right? Mean, but, how how long have I had this shirt? I don't know, decade probably. But I think like uh, um, Nicodema and I have another thing in, in common here, where we we both came to faith kind of academically in many ways. Mm. Um, I mean, there are better examples of this, but like I think like that's the wrong way to do it. Like, you, you <laughs> okay. remember like how many years we talked about the Bible on and off for? Sure. Well, like yeah. three at Long least, time. three, four. Yeah, yeah. I think seriously for three or four, but even beyond that, like oh, we'd been talking about the Bible, yeah, while I was an atheist yeah. for yeah, but yeah, like I I kept banging my head against the wall trying to like wrap my head around scripture mm. and like figure it out. You're not gonna figure out all of script scripture right you're just you're not wise enough you're not going to do it um and it, you're not going to understand god through taking that kind of an academic approach so i think like when i jumped into the the experiences and what were this is why i'm so passionate about this is like that's when i that's when i really started to like understand god it wasn't like no offense i mean this is nothing to do with you but it wasn't like talking to you about the gospel and having mm -hmm. like two hour long conversations about it um that set the stage but like sure. had i had the guts to jump in all of this could have happened a long time ago but i was too scared because of what we discussed earlier right mm -hmm. so i, I think yeah, yeah i mean I, I think that's very typical response uh, to it right uh i think that's the case for a lot of people myself included is that you don't want to jump in full way because at the end of the day even if you maybe think there are parts of you that you want to get rid of they're still you still like those things you know kind of deep down yeah um, in a lot of ways and it's it's hard to see that and of course you know what if you end up being changed into something that you don't want to be changed into right um exactly and so there's a lot of faith that that comes with actually taking that leap it's terrifying to be to have an experience with 
a figure as powerful as God. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it's also comforting in a way, right? Like I think there's some one of the great atheists. I think it was Hitchens, where okay. he he's like. And they present us in front of these buildings that are made to make us feel small. How lovely. Or something. You know, he talks about, like, these cathedrals are designed to make you feel small. And I'm like, well, you should see uh, the the strip mall churches that are in uh, all over America, the South and Midwest, right? Sure. If you want to feel big, come to, like, a mainline Protestant church in a strip mall, and you can feel big all you want. But, but yeah, but I remember hearing that. And thinking like, well, what's wrong with feeling small? Mm. What is wrong with, I think it's great to feel small. Mm. You know? And I mean, even like atheists, a lot of atheists agree with this. I mean, I don't know if Neil deGrasse Tyson is is agnostic or what he identifies as these days. But I mean, you know, he talks about how it it can be really comforting to think when you have all these problems you're dealing with about the the vastness of of the universe and, and, you know, the cosmos that stretches out beyond the earth it can be like a really meditative and beautiful thing yeah yeah uh i i and i mean yeah that, that that's what i was thinking of i i remember like a lot of there is kind of this idea that uh, like i think dawkins and i'm not good at the uh the british accent I, I, thing, yeah so. the dawkins accent is is so cambridge right yeah yes it is um, but I know he does the whole we're we are stardust type yeah, of thing, yeah, and yeah. we're small and insignificant in the universe. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it. I think maybe for Hitchens, just to you know, give him the benefit of the doubt or something like that. It had more to do with like the institution or something like that, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, I mean, the institution, but also like Hitchens was in many ways an individualist, right? A classical right. liberal, and so. For him, disempowerment of the individual is associated with state-led oppression. And, I mean, I can't put words in the mouth of someone as gifted as as he was. But I I can imagine that, you know, his thinking would be along those lines. And that's a totally fair position. Um, But, yeah, oh, my God. Speaking of Dawkins, listeners, if if you can look up Dawkins uh, debating a young Earth uh, creationist on evolution... Mm -hmm. It is just watching him like shake his head for forty minutes is <laughs> amazing. So the, the guy, the guy gets him to break down the entire evolutionary history of the eye, right? Uh-huh. Which he does because it's his job, right? Right. And then, right. and then the guy just is like, "Hmm, right, okay." So I've got another question. If say I have to take a leak, if you will, and uh, I have to wait millions of years to evolve the ability to do that, well, how, how does that work then? <laughs> Oh, it's, it's a kind you of can see it's something. Dawkins just sit back and goes, "Look, I, I've just explained to you a very complex evolutionary phenomenon: how the eye was developed." Mm. And now you're asking me, I, 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 and he just short circuits and blue screens. Right. <laughs> right? He just spinning wheel of death comes. <laughs> yeah, and that's I, ultimately because it's I, always it's the wrong people debating each of, other. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, I felt so bad for him in that moment. I was like, ah, oh, Richard, not your yeah. day, buddy. Right, right. <laughs> um, but okay, we're, we're, we're way off topic because this is Cole's deep dive and Cole is uh, not as organized as George. But uh, yeah, I, I really wanted to make that point about like, coming to God academically. I think it is the self-important moron's route to salvation. 
Um, and I always tell people, if you're curious about this stuff, like, yeah, reading the Bible is awesome. Do that. But you, you got to like talk to God about it and jump in and be like, hey, man, if you're out there, you know, uh, I want to form a relationship with you. And yeah, but don't, but don't you think that that is just to, you know, play devil's advocate or whatever, or like be that person. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I was kind of in the same place that you are. Isn't that like a big ask? Cause it's like, you know, I don't really believe in the supernatural and you're just like, dive in, man. Just, just go for it. <laughs> just go deep in, deep, go it, into the deep end. It is man. a big, yeah. I mean, well, no, it's a even bigger ask than you're making it. Cause I'm, I'm basically nudging someone like, Hey man, blow your brains out. Let yourself on fire, dude. Blow your brains out. You know? Uh-huh. It's like, you know, uh, I used to offer pe- like I used to like offer pot to people and be like, yeah, try marijuana, dude. This is way scarier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, fucking rip a line, dude. It's no big deal. Now I've given that up and I'm like, uh-huh. and I'm like, nah, dude, it's cool. Light yourself on fire, blow your brains out. As soon as it's gone. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like it's even, it's even scarier than hard drugs. Um, so... Yeah, it, I completely under. Yeah, I'm obviously trivializing, uh, initiating dialogue with God, but sure. What would the show be if I wasn't? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 you're you're making a you're making a solid point there, and um, I, well, I, I just know for me, and I think for you as well. Like, to me, like, some people don't need apologetics or anything like that. But I remember, like, after my senior year at, at high school, like, flying out to Kansas City to see my dad and, like, finishing all of Tim Keller's The Reason for God on the plane ride mm-hmm. and being like, that was a really important moment for me to, like, believe that, yeah, I actually have good foundation for these things or that the, he's making a good argument yeah right and so like i do think that there's a play like it's not that you shouldn't i don't think you're saying this at all but it's not that you shouldn't like we don't want to give the impression that you shouldn't like try and rationalize or like think about these things and like right. have good arguments for them and stuff like that it's just that you know that there is a spiritual dimension to it as well i think is kind of what you're exactly you're exactly uh i mean i'm, I'm definitely more yeah uh charismatic than most christians but and that's part of it but charismatic by the way in this context refers to emphasis on personal encounters with the holy spirit as part of your faith not having charisma as a person so yeah uh, i am yeah. more cole's, cole's what he's saying is he's one of those guys who's who takes his coat and like you come up to the front of the sanctuary and he hits you with it and you fall down <laughs> and then he makes you put money in a hat that's what he's saying yeah the spirit the holy spirit has entered us yeah, no, I, I am, I am that guy, and and proud of it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I am more charismatic than most, and, and that like has a lot to do with it. But uh, you're right, apologetics are, are really important. They have their role. I mean, I, Gary Habermas, the last name is H A B E R M A S. Mm. I don't know if you're aware of his minimal facts argument. Are you? I. I... Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. His minimal facts argument and uh, accompanying like lectures that sort of like uh, elucidate it in detail really like were important in, in my process of like seeking faith. Because mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, there is a logical framework here. I mean, his he did a, a really well executed debate on 
like whether or not Christ resurrected. Where I started that debate and I was like, you can't argue this. Mm-hmm. Don't be ridiculous. And then he he makes a very compelling case. Gary Habermas, shout out, really really awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think on that note, man, uh, I've said enough. Thank you for uh, taking my reckless generalizations and uh, careening them into something that makes sense, George. Always appreciate it. <laughs> oh, anytime, Cole. And um, you know what? Let's leave it there because we've got an exciting new segment today. Here we go. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. You got Q's. I got A's. Can I ask you something? Yeah, sure. Questions from the listeners. So among the uh, 37 of you, um, oh, I just got a live question actually sent in. Should I? A live question. Should I read it? Okay. Uh, This is from Travis, uh, one of my college roommates. Oh, I have a question for the show. How come you cowards don't do this live on Twitch so we can berate you to your face? Mm. Because we love you. Tongue out. That emoji, heart emoji. NVM, that question answers itself. Legit question that might be a whole episode. And look at how self-important this guy is. Yeah, yeah. Did Jesus have a wife? (laughs) What is y'all's take on Christianity and the morality slash ethics of abundant wealth. That is actually going to be a whole episode. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, like uh, um, prosperity gospel stuff. Yeah, but we can address it. Yeah. We can address it. Uh, well, no, not just the prosperity. We have an episode planned called "Get Through That Needle, Mister Camel." Right. <laughs> that is going to be exactly on this topic. George, you want to give like a quick take on that? Uh, yes. So I, the way I understood his question, so I'll attack it. I guess more from the prosperity gospel angle. Which oh is no, like, no, no, that's it, not his question. What is it then? Chris, okay, y'all's take on Christianity and the morality slash ethics of abundant wealth. So I think he's oh, talking gotcha. about just, just having, having a lot a of money. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I know you really want to talk about prosperity gospel, and we will. I always want to talk we'll about prosperity gospel. We'll feed you baby gospel. birds. Yes. <laughs> uh, so just, I guess, my quick my quick take on that is that um, Jesus' uh, <laughs> teachings on this are very difficult because, uh, you know, he talks about basically uh, commanding people who who have wealth um that you should be willing to give it up right he says that to the rich young ruler and then he goes away sad um you know sell all you have and give it to the poor and then follow me and that is not an easy thing to do um when it comes to having a lot of money in general uh the bible is actually kind of twofold on this so it really depends and i think this is like an important thing for christians to remember and to think about is that sometimes in the Bible, like wealth is a blessing and sometimes it's a curse. Hmm. So a lot of the times in our culture and in a lot of cultures, right, we think you have a lot of stuff, that's a good thing, right? You have a lot of money, that means security and stuff like that. But in the Bible, that can also end up being a block or something that you trust in other than God. And there's a famous parable about a man who keeps building barns for himself in order to stave up. And then of course he just dies and then where did all that do for him? It did nothing for him, right? Um, And so I think that when it comes to just talking about abundant wealth, it really, you have to be careful because for some people that's that's the worst thing that can happen to them. And for some people, you know, that's that's a a big blessing. And I think for Christians, it comes down to how you use that and uh, whether or not you think it's yours or you think it's God's. Um, Mm -hmm. And so generally the teaching is that everything you have has been given by God and you give out of it, give out of your blessings for, for other people. Um, 
So I, yeah. I know there have been plenty of Christians who have used wealth very well and plenty of them who, who have not. So it's just like everything else. There's a lot of angles from it. Um, but basically, you should be willing to give it up, um, but you can also be happy that you have it. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of 100%. 100%. And it, it really is like a about what is wealth at the center of your life, mm-hmm. right? Is that your primary directive? Uh, are you using wealth to you know, acquire status and, and impress upon people with your status. I mean, what, what kind of, you have to really examine these things and, and, and look mm-hmm. at yourself critically because wealth is highly destructive. I mean, um, you know, I grew up in a wealthy neighborhood and I watched wealth just destroy people, destroy families. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a well-known, it's a well-known thing that wealth can be highly destructive um, after a certain point. I think, you know, there have been so many studies on this. And it's like, yeah, once you get to a point where you don't have to worry about money, there's no effect on happiness once you're above that, hmm. right? So even like taking a secular perspective, like it's known within within the psychological field that like, yeah, wealth can present you with a lot of problems as well. Mo money, mo problems, as they say, my G's. Um, so thank you, Travis, for the question. We re- Hey, hey, <laughs> come on. I try really hard. Um, We're really cool. <laughs> Put on your youth pastor voice. <laughs> hey, man. I'm always here, brother. What do you need? Yeah, I've got dreadlocks and a guitar. <laughs> I don't know why he has to have a bad English accent, but, you know. Uh, all right, so, yeah, thank you, Travis, for that question. Our next question comes from our pal Emily, high school buddy. Uh, we're both big fans of Emily. Uh, and she has a, a question where when I heard it, I was like, ah, this has to be on the show. Her question was, um, what, what makes a good Christian? Like, how do I know I'm a good Christian? And this came from her sort of going to Bible studies and feeling like, ah, these people kind of are more scripturally well-versed than I am. They know Mm -hmm. more about such and such feast or holiday or saint or whatever. And she's in the Catholic tradition. Okay. So she was like, well, I kind of like felt like I'm a bad Catholic for not knowing about a lot of these church traditions. But this could apply to any denomination, right? Um, sure. And she's like, yeah, so what makes someone a good Christian, really? And, and I know like sort of the gist of my take on this, but I, I'd love to hear yours. Sure. Well, this is, a, this is one that I, I – it's a good question, right? Especially because kind of what's at the root of it is like – and – it's not just Emily. This is for everyone. It's like, am I doing enough or am I doing what is required? Right. It's kind of based on, on, on works. Right. And, uh, and this is true for everyone. Um, but I think it's, it really depends for how you, how you structure this or kind of how you think about these things. So, um, in the gospel of John, Jesus is, it just did his miracle where he produced the loaves for a bunch of people. Um, and, uh, and they come asking him and they want more bread, right? Uh, because, you know, they want free food, <laughs> which is, you know, I, I can certainly relate to that, uh, that desire. Um, and so Jesus says, hey, you have to do what God wants you to do. And they say, all right, what is the work that God requires? And Jesus answers by saying, the work of God is this, believe in the one he has sent, right? Believe in me. Um, that's like at the core of what it means to be a good Christian is to believe in Jesus, 
And that might seem like a weird thing to say, um, and I'm not saying that anyone who asks this doesn't, but what that actually is, is getting us at here is when you believe in him, right, and you you know what he's done for you, it makes you want to desire to, to do what he asks, right? And then you, you can move into, like, actually doing things. But yeah. uh, like like James points out, you know, faith without works is dead. Um, and so, like, but, but that, that core has to be there, right? And it's not about comparing, like, yourself to other people. But it's about having that desire to actually try and improve and burn away, as we were talking about a little earlier, like be refined to become a, a better person and a better follower of Jesus. That's that's yeah. really what what it is. Um, I, I would never uh, I wouldn't worry about comparing yourself or myself with other people because everyone has their own journey. Um, I know people in the church who have been attending church for 40 years and are spiritually quite immature and I know people who have been going for you know a few years and are very very mature. So it really comes down to how how willing are you are how willing you are to let Jesus into your life and to follow what He has to uh, yeah, teach you. Beautifully put. I mean, yeah. I mean, belief in Christ is sort of a prerequisite prerequisite to just being a Christian, right? Right. So and, I mean, belief in the divinity of Jesus, uh, and then after that, it's all about try. Like, are you trying? You know if you're trying. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and you know if you're the type of person who is so hypercritical that you're never going to believe you're trying hard enough. Or right. you know if you're kind of like a lazy jackass like me and you're kind of like, I'm trying enough, whatever, fuck it. You know, <laughs> you know which one of those you are. Mm-hmm. And so you know what to look out for. You know, you know, like, <clears throat> are you, you know, uh, like in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, when uh, the monks are like beating themselves in the head with with Bibles, right. right? You know if you're like, or with boards rather, right? You know if you're like, you know, constantly self-flagellating, or you're letting yourself off the hook, right? If you're trying, yeah. you're doing it, right? And that's why both sides of that are really important, right? The belief in in Jesus reminds us that He's done enough for, to cover us, right? But it also calls us to do works. Um, and if right. we're not doing, but we are, we are reminded that if we're not actually showing fruit, then like we have to remember what Jesus did. So it's 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 kind of two parts. Exactly. So. And, and when you feel like you're not a good enough Christian, that's you know that's when Satan is trying to lure you to get you off course. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So let's let's move on. Uh, this is a question that I get a lot from people in the. In, in other denominations, right? And I've had mm-hmm. this question from so many people I can't even count. But it, it, it's about uh, the fact that, you know, Presbyterians are for the, for the well, I, universally Calvinists? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, I mean, obviously you have people who are unique flavors or whatever, but generally Presbyterians uh, fall within the Reformed tradition, um, and reformed is it'll, to a lot of people synonymous with Calvinist. Yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah, let's let's go ahead and say I always get touchy using words like universally or saying all or you know. Right. Um, but yeah. So the question is about like people. There's an understanding out there that like Calvin didn't believe in in free will, and so that mm. everything's just predestined, mm. and that flies in the face of a lot of other traditions theology right sure so the question is more or less what do calvinists believe about free will do we have any do we not mm-hmm. have any 
Yeah, yeah. One of the common misunderstandings or leveling claims in Calvinism is that it's just you're a bunch of robots, right? Um, so just for people to to understand, Calvinism puts a lot of emphasis or Reformed theology. I don't really like Calvinism because it's actually bigger than him. Um, but Reformed theology puts a lot of emphasis on sovereignty of God and God's action in our lives and through us, right? And so, you know, if you read Reformed theology a lot, you'll see this and the Bible. If you read Reformed theology in the Bible, you'll see that God is very, is acts through people's hearts, right? Um, and through things. So, you know, he'll harden the heart of Pharaoh, do stuff like that, right? And it's like, well, does that mean that we don't get a choice in anything or that humans are just kind of automatons that are programmed and God c c just tells us what to do? The watchmaker God. Right, yeah. yeah. To Taken to the extreme of just setting every person to a, to a thing, right? And uh, the answer to that is is no. Uh, that's not what Calvinism teaches. Um, but I can understand where people kind of get that assumption from because people take, I believe, a wrong uh, perception of what free will is. They take what is usually called the humanist or the libertine idea of free will, which is at this moment, I can do whatever I want, right? Any option is open to me, obviously, you know, physical restraints, but I can, you know, smash my computer with a baseball bat. I can jump out of my window or something like, you know, something like that. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that's actually not how we experience most things. Um, and that's not how we make choices, right? And so when people think of free will, that's what they think of. And God entering into, you know, hardening hearts or bringing someone to faith or electing them to pre, you know, salvation through predestination or something like that, that seems as though it goes against uh, our free will. But in actuality, this is a belief that is taken from the Bible where we have a different understanding of free will, which is that you will what you desire. So what what do you desire? Do you desire to smash your computer? No, you don't. So you're not going to actually do that, right? And so you've already put a constraint on your will. So you don't actually have that ability to, to do that because you don't want to do it. Um, right. And so in the Bible, it comes down to like, what do you desire more? Uh, and that is your option. And so God will lead you into those desires and things like that. But at the end of the day, you're the one choosing to do it, right? This is why... You know, God isn't the one who sins when you know, Pharaoh refuses to let the Egyptians go, right? Pharaoh wants to keep uh, the Israelites, sorry. Pharaoh wants to keep them in bondage, um, even if his heart is hardened, right? It's still him choosing to do that. That's what he actually desires. And a really good example of this, if you're looking for a Bible story, is the story of Joseph. You, if you don't know him, don't know him from Bible school or something, he's the one who has the, the rainbow colored coat in uh, the coat of many colors in Genesis. And he he makes his brothers mad because he, he thinks he's all that. And so they sell him into slavery. And basically uh, he has a whole journey where he ends up becoming a servant of Pharaoh and he's able to save a bunch of people. And when his brothers come to him at the end, you know, they're worried that he's gonna not give them food. And he tells them, you know, what you have meant for evil, God meant for good, right? And for the saving of many people. So it kind of shows God's sovereignty in the situation, but it also shows that the brothers desired and did something evil, but God was working through them and actually used that to produce a good, right? So right. it has this, it's that, a yeah. human, yeah. So human sin and human desire and will is still there, but God is 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 guiding and, and helping um, control these things to turn them towards right. good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I've heard it described as um, you you possess a a will that is free but bound by sin. Sin, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's kind of how I look at it, and and I yeah. think even from a secular perspective, you can look at it that way. It's like, well, you have your own will, but it's bound by constraints of right. you know your own thinking and and your so. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad we could clear that up because uh, this people bring me bring this up with me all the time, um, and I think Calvinism, I mean, is strawmanned so much. The, the right. Reformed uh, tradition is is strawman. I mean, I've been reading this book that I've been talking to you about about the Eastern Orthodox tradition, right? And it's a brilliant book, and I've really enjoyed it. But the guy strawmans the Reformed tradition like in the book. He right. made. I, I say I sent you. The quote, because I was laughed out loud reading it, but he goes, some of these people, some of these Calvinists, in their most pessimistic of times, even will make make talk about total depravity. <laughs> and I was like, wait, you act out like you act like we get drunk on a Friday night. We're like, yo, man, this is all depraved. Yeah, this is totally depraved, man. It's like the worst. <laughs> like, like, right. like it's some like after a like. After like a few gin and tonics, we're like, ah, oh, Donald. Like, it's, it's just this isn't like as a, though it's not like a, a common point. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like if if people don't know, form theology is usually summed up in a, an acronym called Tulip, and the first thing is T, and that stands for total depravity. So it actually is kind of the beginning of of form theology. So. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, total depravity. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I really did laugh reading that, but I, I enjoyed yeah. the rest of the book so. Don't hate me, Eastern Orthodox people. Um, <laughs> so how how do you think we did? I, I mean, we got through the questions. Yeah, we're out the yeah, other side of this thing. Did well, I should say. We yeah. done. We done well. We done did good. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, everybody. Uh, thanks for supporting the show. If you have enjoyed this, uh, we'd love if you could leave us a positive review. That helps a mm. lot. Share this uh, show with your friends. God help you if you do that. <laughs> you might lose some friends, but you might gain some friends. Mm. And you know what? We'll be your only friends. Yeah. If they all if they all turn on you. <laughs> because you come to Christ and they all turn on you. Oh, that's Ooh. the part that I didn't bring up in the deep cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that'll happen. That'll happen. People just Yeah. You'll lose Instagram followers, but fuck it, you know. You've got Jesus. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> and uh on that note, till next week. Stay cool, cool kids. Bye. See ya.